Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now save $30 on the American-made steel FS56 RCE trimmer. Real steel. The FS56 RCE is made in America of U.S. and global materials. Offer valid through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Out of the gates, ready to go. Outkick 360 is back. Monday edition following NFL Week 14. We'll get into a recap of the weekend. Preview Monday Night Football and much more today. Heisman Trophy was handed out. The quarterback carousel in college football continues with more quarterbacks entering the transfer portal. And someone did take the Oregon job, and his name was not Justin Wilcox. Welcome as we broadcast live from 6th and Peabody. Yeehaw beer, old smoky moonshine, and you. Glad you're with us. Chad, PK, hope the weekend was great. It was uh, very relaxing and uh, a lot of fun sitting around watching football, starting with uh, Army-Navy on Saturday and good slate of NFL games yesterday. We just watched a brawl. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Uh, it was we will put really this out on Twitter. good uh, pre-show fodder. Got me incredibly fired up. I mean, just haymakers, uh, people that look like innocent bystanders all of a sudden. Just throwing haymakers. It's a real estate convention, yeah, I believe. Yeah, it's a, a realtor convention inside Harris Resort it's, in Atlantic City. It's like the Jets and the Sharks broke broke uh, real estate teams. I don't know if there were two sides to this thing. <laughs> Seemed like it was turned into a every man for himself. Kind Quite the of Christmas thing. party. Yeah, it, it it went back the halls. It got live quick uh, at this uh, in this brawl, and the best part of it is again we'll tweet it out. But the guy who doesn't seem like he's involved at all, and then the shocking twist where he's just a complete <laughs> cold cock it's a guy from behind a uh, complete sucker punch it really did take all out. three of us watching it we're kind of covering the screen from all angles and then we're like whoa look at that guy over there he's involved all well, of a sudden look at that guy we're going to get back into watching yeah. this during the next break we're going to really break down, down fights the uh, there was more action in this fight than there was during the noon kickoffs across the <laughs> nfl yesterday I, mean, I looked up in the first quarter uh of titans and jags paul and i were there chav was miserably watching this on tv and I looked at the scores, and it's just blowouts across the NFL uh, during the noon slate. It was it was not pretty. My underdog bets, not pretty. Uh, not a great weekend at FanDuel.com for us, but uh, it sets up what's going to be a fun month ahead. We're going to preview all of that with some playoff positioning. Look, I was glued to the the late afternoon games. Bills and Bucks, Tampa Bay winning. They led 24-3. Bills come back to force overtime, and then Brady has the walk-off touchdown pass. We had red zone on in the press box. Some of us move up a row, get a better view of the TV. I did yesterday. We had red zone on, and one of the other reporters was like, let's turn off red zone and put on uh, Bill's box. And I was like, that game's over. And, it, and he's like, yeah, it probably is. And then, <laughs> then I went and did my little broadcast deal. I came back, and everybody's like, it's going to overtime. And I was like, no way did they come back. Th- this game... And I still think the Bills, are they, they just don't cut it. Hup, Hup, you've been harping on this. I mean, Allen had 54 dropbacks and 12 runs. There were seven plays in that game where he was not involved. That's just so disproportionate, and they are so poorly designed. 
I don't, I, I don't fear them. I don't think they're going to take off anywhere. If they can't find a way to win that game where they stage the big comeback against a high-quality team, I just think they're in dire trouble. And you got to pull that one out when, when you stage the comeback. And that they couldn't it was just awful for them. 417 total yards for Josh Allen in that game. Worst news for the Bills, he leaves the game in a walking boot. And yeah. I, I was watching when the out. hit happened, and I'm thinking, it doesn't look good. Uh, he got right back up, continued to play, and they didn't take his, his shoe off, his cleat off, until he got to the sideline, finished out the game. Uh, but that's the worst news Turf for the Bills. Tends to linger. And there's something about the way in which they lost that's even more Buffalo Bills than had they just lost 27-10 to 10 in a bad outing. When they're down 24-3, to 3, they're down 27-10, to 10, they storm all the way back on the road and send that thing to overtime. They win the coin toss, and I'm thinking, what a win to salvage things for yeah. Buffalo. They don't get it done on offense. They punt it back. 94 yards is how far Tampa had to go. And guess who had the football? Tom Brady. And they find a way, and they win it. That was more soul-crushing to me than having just stayed down and lost bad. To, to Tampa in that game. The way they came back and overtime. still lost. It's funny because I was asking one of the Titans people in the press box, like, who do you root for here? Uh, and people in my chat were asking, because like you root for Buffalo because you want Buffalo to overtake uh, the Patriots, which would give the Titans their one chance to get the bye. But I'm not seeing Buffalo getting by the Patriots. So then I would say, well, then you want every AFC team to lose as much as possible otherwise. It's a bit of a conundrum, though. It's not like a clear-cut decision. So the, the, we'll get to the Bucks in a moment because I, I think it also speaks volumes to what the Bucks are about. But Buffalo, I, I'm, while I'm, I don't think they're built for the postseason, I don't see them missing the postseason with their upcoming schedule. We're, uh, myself included, harping on the matchups against the Patriots. Yeah, they've got some easy games. But their other up. three games remaining are against Carolina, Atlanta, and then the Jets. They have the Panthers this week. That is a very winnable game, no matter how bad they're playing, at 7-6. and six. I believe that's their overall record. Um, they're 7-6. and six. They yeah. should easily win at least two of those. They probably should get to three. 10 wins yeah, over even, the final At, at least nine, and they would get in at nine. I, it's, I, I'm, I'm hard-pressed to say they're missing the postseason. What, what is alarming, though, Chad mentioned it, the walking boot that Josh Allen is wearing and the fact of it, he's their leading rusher. So when you take into account he's their leading rusher from the quarterback spot and he's in a walking boot with turf toe, that doesn't equate to Tom Brady having turf toe standing in the pocket. No. That's yeah. not, it's just not the or same Matt player for what they like require that. of Josh Allen, um, who has, has not been on the tear that we've recently seen him in recent seasons. Uh, but is good enough to pull the comeback and 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 lead that charge yesterday There's on so the road to Tampa. There's so many threads to this whole thing, though. Right now, as the playoffs stand, they'd be coming here. Well, the Titans beat them already, but it's hard to have a lot of faith in the Titans' offense right now, and the Bills are a good defense. Yeah. So I, I just don't know in the AFC who you have faith in outside of Kansas City and New England right now. New England, because of the tear they're on where they figured it out, Kansas City had that bad stretch early in the year. They look great now. They clobber the Raiders yesterday. I just, I look at everyone else and it's just a bunch holes. of everyone's got Everyone's got holes. I mean, the, the Titans offense is terrible right now yes. until they get some guys back. Colts, that was a miserable Colts offensive performance. They were off. It was a good day for the Chargers, Colts. I, yeah. Chargers, I, yeah, Colts just got in the playoffs mm -hmm. uh, over the weekend in the playoff field. I still like 
the Chargers are, are my team out of the clump. Um, I would have liked Cincinnati a lot more had, where, had they been able to complete the comeback and win it in overtime and not lose to San Francisco. That was another, though, Hutton, of those late afternoon great games. Yeah. What a terrific finish they between those two. They ran twice and settled for a field goal in a situation where they should have thrown um, and gotten themselves a first down and kept the ball. And we were wondering in the press box again, is that uh, – it probably isn't, and there probably has been something written about it, but you're not going to see many games decided on an overturned play that's ruled the game-winning touchdown. And, and they made the right call. He, uh, Ayuk was in. But that's some drama there where the guy sits around and waits for the overturn to decide to celebrate that I just won the game with that touchdown call. And that was another game where the Bengals charged back. Um, and then you have uh, the 49ers. Garoppolo was awesome yesterday in that game. He's playing great. Was it, They're playing great. Were they five the discussion, in a row? Yes. For all the discussion about him uh, trading spots with Trey Lance, he has quieted everything with that. When and he plays, sixth, they win. They're in sixth right now and and uh, in, in in good shape. And, George and, Kittle was sick. Oh, yeah. He was so great. He was targeted 15 times. He had 13 catches in the game. And some of these are, you know, acrobatic wide receiver catches. Best tight end in the game right now, George Kittle. And he's been excellent since he came back from injury. Mark Andrews also had a, a giant day uh, for Lamar Jackson and his replacement. It sounds like Lamar's only got us only has a sprained ankle. Now that could be a sprained ankle that keeps you out, but at least it's not. Uh, he couldn't walk on it yesterday. He's not having he surgery. Carted off the field. Yeah, yeah, he couldn't walk on it yesterday. Browns win twenty four twenty two over the Ravens. Um, and that division is uh, something to behold. And Ravens, they've lost four of their last seven games now. Every team lost except for the Browns in that division. Pittsburgh, yesterday. Pittsburgh's got to be feeling like it's got life. We're talking about the the them swirling down the drain and the end of the Roethlisberger era and everything, and they're saying not so fast. Everyone in the AFC North is within a game and a half of each other, including Cleveland, who's the only winner in the division yesterday. Baltimore's eight and five. Cleveland's seven and six. Cincinnati's seven and six, and the Steelers are six six and one. I wonder how often you've had. This deep into the season, a division with no one with the losing record. That's really something. And right now, based on tiebreakers, Cincinnati is in first, I think. Yes. Looking at this, the this Baltimore's morning. Baltimore's in first because they got one more win. They're eight and five. Oh, okay. Eight and six. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. And Cincinnati's in the postseason. Yeah, Cincinnati's well, in, the, in a playoff Cleveland actually, spot. Uh, on a tiebreaker, I think, is ahead of Cincinnati. That's the way these standings read at ESPN. Baltimore, Cleveland, Cincinnati, Pittsburgh. They have one more matchup, I believe, coming up. I think so. Yeah. We'll look at the playoff picture a bit later That's in That's division record. Well, no, that must be backwards because the division record. It's head-to-head. Head head. Cleveland has Cincinnati, I'm presuming. Chad, you give uh, give uh, much time on Saturday to Army-Navy like I did? I, I gave a lot of time on Saturday to Army-Navy, and I never regret uh, spending a lot of time with that game. Uh, pre-game, the, everything that goes into it. My cousin, David Withrow, shout-out to him. He That's is a cow. At, at West Point, that's a junior. Uh, that, that his father pointed that out to me. They're not called juniors. They're cows when you're in your third year at, uh, at West Point. Cow, C-O-W? C-O-W. And uh, the, the, there's a reason behind it, and I don't you remember don't the reason. Thing. You're not allowed uh, but to he, it. he led his battalion because the senior leader uh, had an injury during training. So on the march on, he actually led his battalion onto the field at MetLife Stadium, which is really cool. So, I mean, it, it's... The way CBS does the open every year for that, it's must-watch television. 
And it's the same themes about nation and sacrifice and look at what these guys are deciding to do other than the normal college experience. But it gets me every time because they freshen it up. Keenan Reynolds was a part of it this time. They had you know Army and Navy players from years past in that CBS Open. Just so well done every year. I love watching that game. We've had a chance to go. It's a bucket list, not just for sports fans, but for American citizens to go to this game. Uh, it's remarkable to watch. And we got another classic in the game where 3-8 and eight Navy beats 8-3 and three Army. And it was a lot of fun to watch. I'll be the the bad guy. I mean, I like all the pageantry and the meaning behind it and everything, but uh, you know, we've had a season of big time college football and I'm not particularly interested in lesser lesser level. And so this weekend I wasn't anchored anchored to TV football on Saturday. Once you're once you're I once did, you I did turn catch it the on, end. once you turn it on, it's hard to not continue watching that game. With I mean, every seat in MetLife Stadium is packed. Um, there is a theme to every segment of that game, production-wise. That's really great. Uh, on, on and then you get to learn the backstories of a lot of these kids who are out there playing. I mean, it's just. I think it's. I think it's amazing. It's. Um, a, it's a game that if it's played in front of a half-full stadium, it doesn't feel right. like it's a well-played game, or particularly that interesting. But it's the setting with the midshipmen and the that's cadets it. on opposite sides, the cutaway shots of the crowd going crazy, the noise around it. Uh, it's the event, yes. I think, that really adds to it. And, Paul, you always say, I'll take close, close. and competitive or anything else. That game had drama going down the stretch where it was it was certainly in doubt, and it was highlighted by what I said was a great call and a fake punt where the kid running the ball and the fake punt didn't know it was a fake punt and I, was surprised by the snap. I find this so hard. to. I, I, I'm not saying I don't believe it. But you're really counting on the kid to be aware. I, I presume that position is looking at the ball at all times. It has to be if you're calling a, a fake in, in that <laughs> degree. But, I mean, uh, you're really putting a lot of trust out there to call it and not have him expect it. You know, it made me think of plays we've heard Peyton Manning talk about, you know, bootlegs where he doesn't tell anybody he's keeping the ball. Uh, but he knows where the ball is. Yeah, <laughs> you know, he, knows he knows he's, he's, he's keeping the ball. the ball. Right, right. Right. This is that to the next level where you're giving it to somebody without him knowing he's getting it. It's a great call, great execution, uh, with great stakes. Thursday, December 30th, we will be live a little early for a special online broadcast, special live stream pregame show for the Transperfect Music City Bowl right here at 6th and Peabody with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine, Tennessee against Purdue. And we will be live at 11.30 until 1 o'clock for our watch party and tailgate show. We will still have OutKick 360 that afternoon as the game kicks off at 2 o'clock. We will be live here as well. But, Chad, we're taking it live a little early just to preview Tennessee and Purdue with some special guests. This is going to be a lot of fun. It's a no-brainer for us to do something around this big event. We had Brad Lampley in last week who's on the board for the TransPerfect Music City Bowl. Exciting matchup. It's right here in our hometown in Nashville. It's a walk away uh, to Nissan Stadium. So we're looking forward to hosting Tennessee fans. You see the orange if you're watching right now. There's going to be some orange themes around this. If you're a Purdue fan in town and you're watching the show or you listen to the show, come by, say hello. We're going to have a lot of fun with this event. Again, December 30th, 1130 a.m. to 1 p.m. Central Time. We'll have a special broadcast from the main 
dining room, I guess you would call it, the main bar, bar area a bar. in 6th and Peabody. It's going to be fun. There's not, going to be drinks. There's going to be food. There, are, there is food. Yeah. We're going to be dining on liquid. That's what uh, people yeah. are going to be dining on. The, on. on the Big Orange Moonshine, Paul, which we, yes. which is not here yet, but will be on the 30th. And look, this place is a glow with seasonal colors um, in, in the form of moonshine that shines through the windows, shines through the, jar, the uh, mason jars. It's a sight to behold. And people don't know this, uh, even you guys, but Chad is secretly working on a way to turn this into a Tour de Franzia. <laughs> and boy, won't the Big Orange fans Build enjoy that. That, that. They is have one. big bathrooms here. There is even one private stall, a handicapped stall. We certainly will let the handicap cut to the front of the line at any time that they need. But otherwise, that bathroom will be used for Tour de Franzia stops. I look forward to Paul buying me a new colon after that yes, Tour de Franzia. It will be needed. Well, I'll, I'll give you a box of colon blow. Yeah, maybe that, that may help. Breakfast. Maybe our special guest will include the attorney from uh, the butt chugger in Knoxville. If that guy's still alive, I'd it's love to get Scottish. him on Outkick 360 Scotch. at some point. <laughs> Broughton, not Broughton. Scotch. Scotch. Uh, Outkick 360's tailgate show with Tennessee and Purdue. Hope you'll join us if you're in the area here at 6th and Peabody on the 30th. We'll be promoting different uh, deals and contests for that leading up to the show that morning starting at 1130 here at 6th and Peabody. Coming up. Across the NFL, the name of the game, if you lost this past week, mistakes. Just going through a lot of these games, there are teams that are losing their way out of contention. Details next on Outkick 360. Positioning for the playoffs across the NFL. Welcome back, Outkick 360, across the Outkick Network. If you're on the YouTube chat, Chad's in there with you, constantly typing away, Constant. chatting away. He's a chatter. Cybering. All I've said so far is, good afternoon, everyone. <laughs> and nobody's Apparently, I need to get throat? to chatting. Nobody's, nobody's clobbering you for that? Not yet. No, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get after it now. So the name of the game this week was Mistakes across the NFL, and if you made them, you lost. Cincinnati had a repeat of week 13. They turned it over two times. They allowed five sacks. They got beat. Now, they pulled a nice comeback against the 49ers, got beat because they didn't perform well right out of the chute. They've played themselves out of a playoff spot over the last two weeks with turnovers and sacks. That's what this comes down to. Paul, you and I, Chad, you've said this too. Cincinnati seems like they're a year ahead of where they should be. Like, if you're just projecting... Um, as this team's come together in another offseason of acquisitions, uh, another draft. But they're not taking advantage of what's in front of them right now, which is a wild card spot. Right now, there's only one team out of the AFC North in the postseason. We'll go into detail of this a bit later, but it's the losing Ravens uh, who continue to backslide as well. But right now, they're on top of their own division. Still, Wash- still time there for Cincinnati. Oh, no doubt. I mean, they've no been fluttering in and out. And they're talented. And what do they have left? I've got it in front of me here. Baltimore, Kansas City at Cleveland. That's a hell of an ending. It's a, they're going to have to play very well. Washington made it a game late, but early turnovers put them down four scores against the Dallas Cowboys and Mike McCarthy, who all but guaranteed the wins. They're going to Washington to win. Uh, they brought their heaters with them, their, <laughs> their sideline seats. Uh, we'll, we'll discuss that in a moment. But here, here are the the turnovers for Washington. 
Uh, first interception, they gave the Dallas the ball at the 41-yard line. Great field position. Set them up for a score. Next possession, they had a fumble that was returned for a touchdown. And that's all she wrote on my upset bet of the week. Washington was done at that point. Heineke and crew. Heineke played banged up. He got hit early in that game. Uh, four giveaways. The offensive line allowed five sacks. Uh, more hits on their quarterback. They pulled the comeback. But again, not enough late. Uh, despite Dak Prescott throwing a pick six with four minutes to go in the fourth quarter. They're still in it. They'd be playing at Green Bay right they now. Are, they are in it. How about the um, Cowboys bringing their own benches Yeah, uh, so to I land over Maryland for that one? The, what I read said whoever last played in Washington told the Cowboys the, ben- the warming benches malfunctioned and they were left cold. And so the Cowboys went to their FedEx people and saw if they could arrange this, and they could. Remember how we talked last week about uh, the fake slide by the pit quarterback immediately leading to a rule change. Um, I expect that to be the case here. I, you cannot bring in benches that say Cowboys in huge letters into a stadium of another team advertising your team and looking like the home bench is in the home stadium. If you want to bring in benches that are plain. Uh, because you're not satisfied well, with what's in there, I, that I don't, might I don't be think, one thing. I don't think it's going to prompt anything because I think it uh, properly shames the home field for not being standard. No, but there's a rule. There's a rule against that. I've been on the sidelines before, where if one sideline malfunctions, both sidelines are out. It's always been that so way with headsets. If you have headsets that don't work, electronic, they're out. If you have heaters that don't work, the other sideline has to turn theirs off. So it's not like the home team can sabotage whatever's going on. It's not like uh, in high school where you walk in and the walls in the locker room are pink, right? Like and they, they take away and they strip out everything and give you bare minimum. Cold water. Uh, cold water for showers. Yeah, like everything has to be in order on both sidelines for the, for the fairness aspect of what these teams are playing for. Like that, so, so, and, and the fact that both all, all these players expect heated benches on the sideline. Uh, where you know a lot of times, especially on bad teams, they can't wait to get to the sideline and sit down. But if they don't have it, I have been down there where you know the Titans or the other team has had to unplug theirs. You know those big kerosene heaters that they have. You, they, you take them out if the other sideline doesn't have it. So I'm curious if if they malfunction at Washington previously and Dallas brought their stuff in that works. If if Washington's went out, would Dallas have to turn <laughs> theirs off? There. Well, it sounds like maybe it wasn't working that way for whoever was there last who warned the Cowboys. But at I, any rate, I would have I, killed I would the imagine, propane just to mess with them for bringing their own benches in if I was Washington. I would imagine Washington yeah. would be most pissed on the marketing side. Oh, here, yeah. Where you look like you're at home with huge oh, Cowboys It, it sounded logos. like it, too. Did you, did you hear the roars of those scores? For Dallas? Oh, yeah. They've got I mean, a lot of fans was, in the Washington It was more than 50% area. Dallas I mean, yesterday. Who's looking at the benches, though, to see if it's a home game or not? I just would you want if you if no, you're I home want game, it, but you I mean want... have functional benches that work uh, then I, if that's your issue. I agree. That that the turf the, the field there's been a problem. Yes, it has. If their benches aren't working, I'm more concerned with who if it's a NFL rule, why are they allowed to bring that in? Who's allowing them to bring yeah. in their own benches, they not stopping them at security at the gates? Well, if Daniel Snyder was allowed in his old stadium, uh, as short as he is, he would have been standing there <laughs> making them carry him over his head. And Mrs. Snyder should have been there stopping them, or their people should have. I'll I, give you I another game that sounded move. like a home game for the away team was Buffalo fans, the Bills Mafia Tampa. in Tampa. I mean, when Tampa was on offense, you, you would have thought it was a Buffalo home game, how much noise was being made. 
on defense uh, for the Bills. It's crazy. Which is impressive because Tampa's selling pretty well as Super Bowl champions. Very random here, Paul. And I know you don't like the 100-yard rule uh, where the, the rule is you know, running backs to get over 100 yards, their team's record, you know, top to bottom, like they're – well, I like it. I just think it's misinterpreted. Well, how about this one? Tampa Bay is 14-0 and when Leonard Fournette has 12 or more carries. <laughs> well, I wonder if Leonard Fournette gets his carries in the fourth quarter of games that Tampa Bay's ahead. 14-0. I mean, that, it just continues to climb for Leonard Fournette. He's what giving a, halftime speeches and guys. everything. I know. I mean, he should thank Tom Brady every day. Ooh. should send him a text at the end of the day. Kansas City destroys Vegas again. I'm going to give you Patrick Mahomes' numbers against Vegas this year compared to the rest of the league. But a team fighting for a playoff spot, the Raiders, uh, they give their their defense some credit because Vegas was just awful offensively. They spotted Kansas City a 7-0 lead. They then fumble on their next possession and give it right back to KC and Patrick Mahomes. Casey scored 21 points off of turnovers in this route. I mean, this was an utter just route. 48 to 9, the final score. So, in the two games against Vegas this season, Patrick Mahomes has completed 74% of his passes against the Raiders' defense. He's thrown for seven touchdowns, no interceptions, and nearly 700 total yards in two games passing. And they've won both games by a combined score of 89 to 23. I mean, they have just massacred Vegas. But if you look at the rest of the league versus Mahomes this year, because they didn't start fast, 20 touchdowns, 12 picks. That's the Raiders' arch rival. Uh, when you lose to – I was only I only covered the Raiders for a year. Those two games meant more than everything else. And um, that does not go over well. Six straight wins for the Chiefs. As of right now, they are officially the betting favorite to win the Lombardi Trophy in Vegas. They are the betting favorite in Vegas after that slow start where everyone was counting them out of the playoffs. Everyone was on board with the Chargers because the Chargers came out hot and playing well, and they're back to playing well. Point being, Vegas is now buying back in to KC. They are the betting favorite uh, second to Tampa Bay uh, and Green Bay. Who's best equipped to, to figure out that defense? Well, I mean, defense, who's got the best offensive line in the AFC? I mean, uh, I think many would point to Cleveland. Or the Colts. Yeah, or Indy. Yep. The team that's in the playoffs maybe, right maybe now. Maybe New England's is, is efficient. It's not a mauling line, but it's Kansas it City's, though, they, they, have, they have now forced multiple turnovers in five consecutive games, including yesterday, um, where the Raiders were just handing it to them. I don't want them back. I'm sick of them. Well... <laughs> I look at both AFC and NFC now, and I think the NFC is going to be more compelling at the top with Tampa, Arizona, Green Bay. Because we saw last year, Green Bay should have beaten Tampa up in Green Bay in the NFC Championship. That yes. was a bad job by Matt LaFleur. We're not going to re-dissect that game. But I look at the AFC right now, and I think it's Kansas City's conference. Well, put spreads on these. Can- I mean, I, honestly, who are you that confident in outside of Kansas City who we've seen win a Super Bowl, reach another one, that's going to get the job done in January in, in the playoffs. I'm not overly sold on New England being that team with that offense. They've done a great job, and they're the hottest team in the league. But the way Kansas City's figured it out and the way they're dominating defensively, I don't see anyone challenging Kansas City in the AFC. I was thinking this. The, right now, the Patriots have the bye. 
Bills 7 would be at Titans 2. We're putting a spread on that. What are we thinking? Titans minus 3? Yeah. Yeah. That's with a healthy Derrick Henry. Which I don't think we're getting. Colts at Chiefs. That's 6 at 3. That's a a 6.5 to 8 point spread in the playoffs. I think maybe a little bit less, but yeah. Chargers, I, th- I think it's touchdown plus. Chargers five at Ravens four, presuming Lamar's healthy. Ravens minus two or three. I think that game's been played too uh, this yeah, year. It, oh, and the, the Ravens beat them down. Yep. Destroyed them. So there'd be a, a vengeance thing there. But I think all three of those stand to be good games. games. I think if you look on the other side, you got Washington at Green Bay. I, I'd pick that. I'd be comfortable with double digits there. Niners at Bucks. Uh, I don't love the Niners' chances. Rams, Cowboys, probably a compelling game. Now go through the go through the NFC. Do you have that handy? Yeah, yeah, that's, that's what I just, just said. Oh, Washington, Washington at Packers. Where's the? Where do you have Atlanta? I don't Atlanta's have Atlanta. in. Aren't I don't they? have Atlanta in. I've got Washington at Green Bay. 49ers at Bucks. Rams at Cowboys with Arizona off. So Atlanta, um, Atlanta with another win is going to be in. If the playoffs started, they're right there on the bubble uh, at six and seven. And it is remarkable what Arthur Smith is doing with that Falcons team, which is not good. Not good. Uh, Their top two receivers from last year, not playing. Julio's playing in Nashville. We'll discuss his involvement yesterday later. Uh, Calvin Ridley for for mental uh, issues is not playing right now for mental health. So uh, what what they're doing and how they're winning Albeit they're beating opponents that aren't that good, like Carolina's offense yesterday, uh, which going back to the, the the turnovers, three turnovers gave the Falcons free points yesterday. Carolina led the game 7 nothing, and you just handed it right to Arthur Smith's Falcons. Just a disaster. A so, disaster. Those three turnovers led, are, led to 14 points, Falcons and they won by seven. bit behind here. I've got Washington as the last spot, then Vikings, Eagles, Falcons. Falcons are a little bit down in conference record. Yeah, but all of those – You've of those got five teams at back. six and that's, seven. That's my point. All of those teams are tied with the same Washington, record. Washington, okay. the Vikings, Eagles, Saints Falcons, too. Saints, all six and seven. It's unbelievable. So they're tied for that seventh – yeah. Playoff spot, Washington has the tiebreaker right now. So are we celebrating bad football teams right now by boasting about how cool this is at 6-7 and seven no, because the NFL it. opened up the postseason? It's one team too many based on these standings. San Francisco should be the last team in at 7-6. and six. These other teams are 6-7. and seven. Are any You like any of them? No. Washington, the Vikings, that's what the I'm Eagles, saying. the Falcons, the Saints, they all suck. But in the AFC, it's a different story because there's Buffalo right now as the seventh seed. Well, They're behind Indy. We're going to be watching that game regardless of what bad oh. team is in that spot. I mean, that's yeah. that's the bottom yeah. line. I mean, I, I've said struggled. it and I'll stay consistent. I like more playoff games that are big time and that matter in our but, elimination but right, games. Huh? We're going to get another one. I, I do think Colts, Bills, Browns, Bengals all feel north of the playoff line to yeah. me. Denver, I don't know about. But In one conference, you feel like there's a good team that would not make the postseason had the Playoffs not expanded. Right. And in seven. the other, in the other like it feels like it's about right. Somebody bad's getting in. Right. Um, by the way, yesterday, teams that did not turn the football over in the game went 9-2. and two. Who lost? The, the teams that did not have a turnover but lost, Houston and the New York Jets. <laughs> that, that's why they went 9-2, and two, because they're already terrible. But, be, but think about that. If you're just protecting the football right now, you're a playoff team. 
Listen, I've now seen the the Jets live, the Texans live, the Jaguars live. I understand. I saw the Jets play well and used to play yeah. well. Jaguars yesterday were by far the worst team I've seen this year. By far. Well, the Urban Meyer stuff. I mean, we could spend an hour talking about his first season and that report uh, that came out over the weekend. Um, that was as boring of an NFL game as I've watched start to finish on television that I've seen in a long time. And that's not the Titans' fault. That's because Jacksonville is horrid. And the Titans' defense did a nice job to get the shutout. But man, oh man, was Jacksonville awful offensively awful. in that game. And that is a... I know people are saying, boy, you know, the players haven't quit. The players haven't quit. They're, they're, they're mentally done. Their bodies may be out there. They may look like they're running hard. That is a team that has shut things down mentally for this season. They do not care. Uh, look, they, I mean, they had two receivers run down the right side of the field together. The outside guy cut in, the inside guy cut out. They would have knocked each other out had not one of them seen what was coming and gotten down. Um, seven plays later, Trevor Lawrence was about to get sacked for an eight-yard loss. He saw it coming. He said, oh, I'm going to retreat another 12 yards to get sacked <laughs> and went down for a 20-yard loss. I yeah. mean, there was some, some Three Stooges element to what they were doing. And look, whether they're putting him in a situation for success or not, have we seen any growth from Trevor Lawrence this year? You're supposed to see some progress, even from in a terrible circumstance. And he looks... Well, awful. watching him yesterday, um, first off, he doesn't really have much of a chance. Um, DJ Chark's they, injury really hurt them. Yeah, that they, I mean, they they give the football to LaVishka Chenault, and that's pretty much it. They, they hit a nice pass to Marvin Jones yesterday, but nothing... I mean, he has no time to really do much. Um, I don't think the coaching has been great or even good. No, they're a bunch of losers, uh, according to uh, Urban. It's it's a disaster, and we'll we'll discuss at length Urban Meyer uh, later in today's show. But in in regards to Trevor Lawrence, Paul, uh, I'm watching him yesterday and thinking some of the top quarterbacks in the NFL go through what is just a disastrous rookie season, where you think, man, this 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 guy's in way over his head, and then something clicks with the they pair him with the right coach. Or he gets a year of experience and he has an offseason to flourish and really, you know, become more of a dynamic pro. And that, that's what I that's what I would think watching Trevor Lawrence. Watching some of the throws yesterday on the boundary, you see why he's a first round and first overall pick. Um, and credit to the Titans on that deep pass, which was the, which was the last interception, I believe. Um, to screen. Was it what, no? Was screen, it, was sorry. it screen or was it screen made the last interception? Okay. Well, the deep the deep pass. Um, it may be screen, maybe someone out, maybe Fulton. I'm Fulton to, had the deep one uh, to the left. Okay, that's what I'm thinking of. That was a play in the Jets game where the Titans were burned twice in that yeah, coverage, right. and they actually adjusted to what burned them against a rookie quarterback earlier this season and picked off Trevor Lawrence um, instead of getting burned deep on some scramble route where they just throw it up deep, just you know, to see what happens. So. Um, I do think the Titans adjusted, and I think Jacksonville is just kind of going through the motions. I'm not saying that Lawrence won't get good. I'm just saying his bottom, oh, yeah, he's his bottom right, now. right now is no, you're right. as bad as a bottom as we've seen. I also keep thinking about um, Trent Dilfer, who was on our tailgate show, talking about Trevor Lawrence, how his mechanics are actually much better now than at Clemson. When he said Clemson does a terrible job coaching quarterbacks, yeah. and they put their quarterbacks, they put in positions that give them bad habits, 
and saying how mechanically Trevor Lawrence looks much better now. And you're right, Hutton, that play where he's rolling left and fires it downfield, that was an impressive physical play uh, from Trevor Lawrence. And, and you see the traits there to be a great quarterback, but no one's going to succeed in this Jacksonville situation right now with what they have going well, on. It starts with the fact that the locker room doesn't respect the coaches in it. Like that, that is evident. Just watching Urban Meyer interact with uh, pre, just in pregame, just what he's doing, his mannerisms, and I mean, no one's wanting to talk to him. You know, they don't want to be caught on camera talking to Urban Meyer. And uh, talk about his team. Yeah. Well, before this thing came out, before the weekend, you know, they had played poorly in the last month, but I'd given them credit for kind of salvaging the yeah. staying in Cincinnati thing. And now this thing comes out with Marvin Jones last week needing to be kind of begged back into the building and not liking the way. Um, and that's some clout for Marvin Jones to to make Urban have to save things, but him calling out his coaching staff. Who hired those guys, Urban? Well, Who hired I wanna, these losers? I want to give our colleague Dan Dockich a lot of credit because apparently he's the only human to get a human side of Urban Meyer. Ever. Ever. I mean, he's the only guy who has drawn out some sort of human quality from Urban Meyer that's actually likable because the guy is not a nice guy. Everyone that's ever interacted with him, you think Mike Vrabel's got a lot of good things to say about his time with Urban Meyer? I've never heard. I've got my own personal interaction with him other than Dan Dockich that you can hear on the Outkick Network, 8 a.m. to 10 a.m. Central every weekday. Other than Dan Dockich, I've never heard someone say a nice word and we fought. about Urban Meyer other than the dude wins a lot of college football games. What happened this morning? We fought this morning about Urban. He, he's telling me he's the only one qualified to, to judge him. And I'm telling him he's insane because he's personal. He's friends with him. He's the one qualified not to judge him. And I, I said that Urban's failure to look Mike Vrabel in the eye after a loss is completely unbecoming. He's a... Oh, the media judging a guy for not looking a guy in the, hand, in the eye during a handshake. I said, I got a 12-year-old. I teach him to look people in the eye when he shakes hands with them, especially after losing a game to him. It's I also, think that's an important quality, and this guy doesn't have the stones to look him in the eye. It's also really funny that he's talking about, I tell all my coaches it's never the player's fault. I don't ever want to hear the excuse of the player's not good enough from one of my position coaches. You got to figure it out. I'm not going to accept that excuse. Yet he is the one to quickly roll over, if this report is true, on Jones. his own position coaches without saying, you know, the head coach needs to be better. There shouldn't be an excuse from the head coach about the coaches he hired that these coaches aren't good enough. But yet his quick defense mechanism is, you guys are losers, I'm a winner, figure it out and help me win. It's bad. More on Urban Meyer in 30 minutes. We'll also discuss the report from Ian Rappaport on Derrick Henry's possible return. How soon? We'll get into all that, give our opinion and takeaways from that. When we come back, college football headlines from the weekend. By the way, that's what I tell Jacob Swanson every day, that he's a loser, I'm oh. a winner, and he's got to figure it out if he wants to win like we win And on look show. him in the eye when you shake his I, hand. I am the Urban Meyer of this show when it comes to Jacob Swanson. Alabama has a quarterback who just won the Heisman for the first time. That's next on Outkick 360. A second-year quarterback became the back-to-back -back winner for Alabama and Heisman Trophy winners. Of course, they had Devontae Smith. Now they have Bryce Young. Welcome back to OutKick 360 across the OutKick network. Uh, also the first quarterback to win the award at Alabama. 
That's hard to believe. Really is. It's hard to believe. I feel so great for Alabama, just <laughs> deprived of all the success that finally you guys did it. You got a Heisman Trophy winning quarterback uh, at your school. You've you've had so little in recent years. So congratulations for that on well, your back-to-back Heisman Trophy. I've said trophy. for years they need to recruit better at quarterback, and they finally got the message. Alabama became the first program since Oklahoma to win back-to-back, uh, and only the third program since Ohio State's Archie Griffin won the award back-to-back himself. It doesn't happen often where you have two players win the award from the same program. But it was it was a landslide, and we knew it would be. Did you guys watch the actual presentation? No, 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 no. It is one of the more awkward broadcasts that you'll ever watch. There is something so uncomfortable about that. You know when you have um, like the high school superlative night? where you put these 15, 16, 17-year-old kids on stage and force them to give an acceptance speech or to talk on stage, for some reason, guys who otherwise seem pretty charismatic clam up and seem so uncomfortable in this setting on they, Heisman Trophy Night. Do they night. do a whole hour and then reveal it yes. at the end? Yes. That's the problem. They should reveal it at the beginning, then do analysis for the remainder of the show. That's the way in this day or and age Or do it for 30 minutes it. and then announce it and then have reaction. But you can't you can't milk it for all that time and then do it at the end. Create it's also, I mean, it's you've got these guys who are, it's beaten in their head, be humble, be humble, be humble, be humble. And the whole night is honoring them, overcoming adversity, their background, their superstar status on campus. And it just creates this sort of false humility mixed with awkwardness with the families there and the coaches are even awkward at times. Nick Saban's the one who's very used to this uh, that did not seem awkward at all. Jim Harbaugh, kind of a weird guy to begin with, uh, makes the you know statement that I believe Aiden Hutchins will be the number one pick in the draft. Okay, thanks, coach. You know, Have a seat at the end of it. It's just, it's all odd. And the big star of the night was uh, Aiden Hutchinson's mom uh, in her outfit who uh, became a, an immediate celebrity yeah, with her looks. What is with those pants? I, I guess it was the slit. That went that far up. It was a it was a high slit in her uh, in her pants. Her pantsuit was that a pantsuit? Was that the right way to describe that? Outfit? This might be the time to get Ellie on air finally for a fashion. Yeah, uh, we should have watched. Yeah, yeah, well, you should have seen that on Twitter. It was all over Twitter. Well, uh, I didn't see it Saturday. I was at Stapleton, she had a so I didn't slit like this. Yeah, right up the side of her leg. Yeah, it's just very uncomfortable. I, I I can't even the acceptance speech is just. It just feels so forced. And then you have all the former Turn away. winners. Turn away. The big star of the night may have been Steve Spurrier. Uh, by the way, two people we interviewed on Outkick the Tailgate <laughs> sitting three seats apart. Yeah. Danny Werfel. And they honored, they said this is the silver anniversary, the 25th anniversary of him winning the Heisman after the 96 season. And he's three seats down from Steve Spurrier. And they're talking about Werfel on the broadcast. And Spurrier's preaching over like, hey, Danny. Hey, Danny. He's just talking <laughs> to him about something the whole time while he's on camera and Werfel's, you know, smiling and waving. And Tebow was in between being a pro. Yeah, Tebow was right there. Uh, but the best, I don't know if you guys have seen it. We'll, we'll find it. Ellie's going to find it and retweet it right now. Uh, there's a meme going around of when Bryce Young is announced, Spurrier immediately just looks to his watch. <laughs> and it looks like he's got dinner reservations in New York. You got a tea time. I mean, instead of a plug, he, he gives one clap and he looks down at his watch like, all right, time to go. Let's get out of here. Let's wrap this thing up. Let's go, Chris. Let's go, Fowler. Fally. Let's wrap it up. Yeah, it's a very uh, forced, work. uncomfortable broadcast. But, uh, you know, congrats you to Bryce Young. I've got nothing against Bryce Young. Seems like a great kid. Um, I do laugh at times of... I've got something against him. I mean, no, everyone doubted me. 
You know, I've, I've really had to prove people wrong my whole life, and I'm thinking, You're five you star. are a five-star number one quarterback <laughs> in America. I mean, give me a break. You were the starting quarterback at Alabama. People doubted him. You committed to USC and spurned USC to go play for Nick Saban in Alabama in this offense. No oh, one's doubting doubt. Oh, the doubt. Well, there was no doubt that he was winning the award. But he received yeah. 85% of the votes. Necessary. I'd love to get back to doubt in this competition. <laughs> I'd love to. Well, we had we, it last year. Let's return to a place. We of had it doubt. last year. There yeah. was. We didn't know for sure that he was going to win it, uh, Smith, last year. Hey, coming up, uh, some doubt about the Rams because there's an All-Pro that's been ruled out of the game tonight for Monday Night Football. We'll preview what's a pivotal matchup for the Rams and the Cardinals. That's next, and then we'll get into Derrick Henry's possible return and Urban Meyer. On the outs in Jacksonville, next on Outkick 360.